Welcome to the radio ministry of Cedar Grove United Methodist Church. May God fill you and transform you through the work of the Holy Spirit. Now for some music and then Pastor Brian Bowley. Our gospel reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, the 13th chapter. Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will also perish. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, folks. You know, every once in a while, I encounter people who have a resentment toward God. Something bad happened in their life, and they blame God. There's the guy whose father died in a car accident when the guy was 13. 
There's the woman who never knew her grandmother because she had died from a stroke before the woman was born. There's the family who lost their home due to a tornado. And the man who took a great new job and moved a thousand miles only to have the company closed down two weeks later. You've undoubtedly heard of the good reporter shot and killed in the Ukraine last week. There's a girl, age five, diagnosed with leukemia and the family who must raise a child with severe problems. And there are uncounted times when a young boy prayed for his grandfather or his brother or his sister or even a dog to survive a serious illness or accident, and they died. And many of these people wonder what was really going on. Why do bad things happen to good people if there is a good God? We're told that God is good, God knows everything, and God is all-powerful. So if these three things are true, then why do we live in a world where so much bad and evil happen? Couldn't God, if God is truly good, couldn't God prevent the bad from happening? He knows about it and he has the power. This is one of those deep questions that we rarely get a deep answer to in our kids Sunday school or even in our adult Sunday school sometimes the only answer we get is we have to have faith in God and that's true but if we don't have faith in God like many of the people outside these walls or our faith has been shaken by events how do we answer this how do we help people whose faith has been shaken by bad things Billy Graham tells the story of a man who was on fire for Jesus back before World War II. The man whose name was Charles Templeton was friends with Billy, and they spoke to audiences together. They were co-evangelists, and together with Tory Johnson, they co-founded Youth for Christ International. But one day, Templeton began to watch newsreel footage of the liberation of Auschwitz at the end of World War II. And Templeton began to question why a good God would have let such bad things happen. He wasn't alone. Many people at this time began to ask this question. Some found answers, and others like Templeton eventually lost their faith. For it is a very deep, very serious question that's difficult to answer. And today I'm going to try to answer the question with a start from our gospel reading today. A very large crowd had gathered and were listening to Jesus teach. Some brought up an event that had happened recently where the Roman governor Pilate had violently put down a protest with Roman soldiers on the temple grounds by killing many of the protesters, particularly a group of men from Galilee. As the story was told, it was pointed out that the protesters' blood had been mingled with the blood of their sacrifices that they had brought to be sacrificed to God. And so the question arose as to whether or not those Galilean protesters were particularly evil, whether God had rejected their sacrifices, whether they were worse sinners, as Lou put it, than other Galileans because of the manner of their death and the way they suffered. I'm sure there were some people there who thought because they protested, they got what they deserved. And you know, we often think this today, don't we? So much of the time, we think that bad things happen to bad people. 
So when something bad happens to someone, it must be because they're bad people. After all, don't we think that people are unemployed because they don't work hard? Don't we think that people are homeless because of substance abuse? Don't we think that people are in prison because they have done bad things? Don't we think that people are poor because of their own decisions? But Jesus said, no. And then he turned to the crowd and told them, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. They had to rethink the relationship with God or they would also perish. It wasn't just the people killed by the tower. It wasn't just the people killed by the Romans. It was everybody had to rethink their relationship with God or they would all perish. And here's a key to a much deeper understanding, a much deeper concept. You know, Jesus talks about people perishing. He says that everyone in the crowd around him would perish. Everyone would die. You know, death comes in many ways. What's really the difference in how a person dies? And it's through this that he reminds us that perhaps there's something more permanent than physical death. Because Jesus makes perishing conditional. Unless you repent, you too will all perish. This statement has hope for us. For perhaps we can repent and not perish. Let's hold on to that thought for a minute. Perhaps we can repent and not perish. Jesus then continued. He spoke of a recent accidental collapse of a multi-story stone tower in the Siloam neighborhood. It killed 18 people. Was this because they were in a worse relationship with God than all the other people living in Jerusalem? Did they have this coming to them? And Jesus said, I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will also perish. Now here we have a simple accident. If anyone was to blame, probably it was the man who built the tower maybe 50 years earlier. But then again, there's a lot of earthquakes in that area. Remember the tower that collapsed in Florida last year, killing so many people? It's the same sort of situation. But of course, there were people who said, you know, if they weren't so worried about pleasure-seeking, living in the beach in a high-rise, this wouldn't have happened to the people who lived there because they would have been in a nice, safe home somewhere else, maybe in West Virginia. But once again, Jesus said, I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. The people weren't more guilty just because they were killed there. You know, our hearts go out to those who are victims of accidents and shootings or grow sick and die at an early age. And in contrast, we feel that those who are walking around at night, those who are riding in a car with a drunk driver, those who carry weapons, those who die or are hurt committing crime, they had it coming to them. But Jesus says it doesn't matter if the person injured or killed is good or bad, doing good or doing bad. God doesn't consider this in the matter of their death. Death is death. Whether from a tree falling on you or dying in a gunfight with the police or being bombed in a hospital while giving birth or dying slowly and peacefully in your sleep at night. We're most in danger, you know, 
when we feel we are spiritually safe. Standing around feeling like we're good people who are watching the bad people die. And let's be honest, how many people got a certain pleasure out of watching Russian tanks get blown up in the last couple weeks? They had it coming to them, didn't they? But Jesus says that the real question, the eternal question, is whether or not you have repented. Whether you have rethought your relationship with God. For unless you have a right relationship with God, repenting of your sins, asking God to be forgiving, chosen, choosing to follow Jesus, you will perish. Your soul will be lost forever, never to be with God. And you know, this takes us still deeper. For you know, perhaps our entire idea about what is good and what is bad, what is holy and what is evil, is distorted from the reality. Let me ask you all a question. On a scale of 1 to 10, how good are you? How good is the best person you've ever met? Are you an 8? Is your role model a 9 out of 10? Is that what good is to you? You know, in Mark 10, 17, a man comes up to Jesus and asks, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answered, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You see, according to Jesus, there are no good people. Not you, not me, not even the best pastor you've ever listened to. For God's standard of good is not a 9 out of 10 but a thousand out of a thousand. And none of us can ever score above a 9.5. No one is good except God alone. And so if our idea of what is good is so deeply flawed, perhaps our idea of badness, of evil, is also deeply flawed. You know, by the end of World War II, most Americans considered Nazis to be evil. Yet over the last 80 years or so, I think many people have come to recognize that the vast majority of the German soldiers were no worse than the American soldiers they were fighting. Perhaps 100 men in the top leadership of the Nazis were truly responsible for the evil that was inflicted on the people of the world. Just as there are only a handful of people in leadership at the Kremlin who control the invasion of the Ukraine. But you know, God's view of this is even more constrictive than ours. A careful reading of the Bible reveals that Jesus hoped that all people could be saved. All people are given a chance to repent and come to God. No one is too far gone for God. The worst murderers, the worst people, the leaders who make war on innocent people, they are the victims who have been damaged the worst by the truly evil leader, Satan himself. They are the people who have most believed the lies and harmed their own souls the worst. You know, today we look and we see that there are innocents being killed in the Ukraine, and I use the word innocent advisedly, for this implies that they're good, something Jesus would deny. Jesus would ask them to repent and come to rethink their relationship with God unless, like, they are, like many have already done, like many Christians who are in the Ukraine have already done, they have already repented. 
And there are Russian soldiers and Ukrainian soldiers who are killing people, mostly other soldiers. As we've seen with our own soldiers who have gone to war, their souls are being damaged by the war, perhaps worse than the souls of the innocents. Because every tank they destroy, every bomb they drop, every bullet that hits someone else will be remembered for the rest of their lives. And they will need to come to Jesus and ask to be forgiven before they can repair their souls. For much, not all, but much of PTSD is a symptom of a damaged soul who has seen and done things that they know they should not have seen nor done. And then you have the leadership of the Kremlin. The men who directly carry out Putin's orders and have the ability to say, yet to tell Putin, no, they must live with the guilt on their conscience. But they can also repent. The sooner the better for their own souls. And even Putin can repent. Although it appears that he has bought the lies of the devil even deeper than anyone else. He is the greatest victim of the devil here. You know, a couple days ago, the BBC reported he had said to a large assembly that no greater love has someone for their friends than to, what is it? No greater love has someone than to give their own soul for their friends. Now, we know that quote is to give their own life for their friends. Has Putin given his soul for the power he has. For the soldiers who will ask to be forgiven, Jesus will forgive them. Not for lip service, but if they genuinely repent of their acts. And a certain number of them will have such a deep wound on their souls that they will ask to be forgiven. The forgiveness will be granted, and yet they will say that they can't forgive themselves. Have you ever beat yourself up because you can't forgive yourself for something? Even though you've gone before God and asked to be forgiven and you know that God has forgiven you, you aren't alone. This is common. Listen carefully if you can't forgive yourself. You can't forgive yourself because you've bought a deep lie of the devil. That lie is that somehow right and wrong, good and evil, or something that stands apart from God. Somehow you believe that good and evil, right and wrong, are more fundamental than God is. But God created in the garden the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was that tree that had the fruit which the serpent asked Eve to eat, the fruit she ate, the fruit she gave to Adam, and the fruit that he ate. Before that, they knew only good. And after that snack, they now know, knew both good and evil. The tree's presence was a test for us, a test as to whether or not we trusted God or could be led astray by another, the liar, the serpent, the devil. God created good and evil, right and wrong. And what God wants is good. What God does not want is evil. And if God forgives you of your sin, your crime, your break in morality, that means that God has changed the meaning of good and evil just for you, just for this one time. And God can do this, for God decides what is right and wrong. 
And the most important thing is a heart which is sorrowful and wants to do better and looks up to God for leadership. It's like God, the great judge of the universe, chose to change the speed limit on the interstate just for you. For that time, you drove 85 miles an hour at 9.35 on that particular Friday night. Just for you at that time and that place, because you asked for forgiveness, God put the speed limit at 86 miles per hour. And so you're no longer guilty. Whatever your crime, whatever your sin, when God forgives you, it's as though the crime never happened. And when you recognize that God is more important than the rules God made, you'll be able to forgive yourself. Whatever your sin was, you just need to ask God to be forgiven. For God's opinion of your crime, your sin is much, much more important than your opinion. Understanding this is critical. Understanding this importance of God's opinion is what leads to the humility that God desires for us. And so we come to the question of why bad things happen to good people once more. Could God prevent these bad things from happening? Yes and no. Because if God were to step in to prevent bad from happening, God would always be stepping into the universe. And God has the power to do that. God knows what's going on and can stop anything from happening. He gave a hand to Peter when Peter started falling into the, into the uh, lake. But there's something that God's goodness will not allow God to do. And that is that God will not do anything evil. And God, in God's wisdom, has apparently decided that it would be evil of God to step into the universe and remove our free will or our ability to make decisions and to live with the consequences of them. For if God corrected all the evil things, the bad things that happen all the time, then we would become coddled children at best and puppets on strings at worst. Neither is good for our souls. Let me give you an idea. You drive a bit recklessly and you're about to drive over a curve into a 20-foot drop-off. God can save you, but rarely will stop you from that wreck because we people as a species need to learn the lesson of not driving recklessly. Your injury will teach many young people not to drive recklessly, and so many teenagers will not be injured. And so God can see the greater good by not stepping in and letting us endure the consequences of our actions. Sometimes it's not about us. It's about someone else. Paul reminded us in our 1 Corinthians 10 reading that all sorts of bad things happened to the Israelites in the wilderness. Many people were killed. Why? Paul wrote, Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. But what about miracles when God steps in? God steps in just often enough to remind us that God is still there. Perhaps God could step in and stop the war in Ukraine and save the Ukrainian people. But perhaps God already has. By affecting the weather, you've probably heard about how muddy and boggy it is if they drive the tanks off the road, they get, they get stuck. God had something to do with that. There's all sorts of little coincidences and miracles that people are finding. Perhaps God already has stepped in because of the Christian hearts 
of all the Western European leaders who have stood up to Putin, all the people who have chosen to send help, all the people who are praying for the people of Ukraine, the Christians all over the world, that would not happen in a non-Christian world. People would have simply ignored the bloodshed like they did when Napoleon began killing people, when Hitler invaded Austria and Czechoslovakia, when Russia occupied Eastern Europe at the end of World War II and wouldn't leave. People would just ignore it. But you know, many people in the Ukraine and around the world have chosen to recognize and stand against evil. They've chosen to pray to God. They've chosen to ask God for help. And this has made their souls stronger and more beautiful. If God appeared and made all the Russian weapons useless, we would expect this for everything. And then we would never grow these strong souls. We would never have heroes. We would expect God to do it all the time. We would stop asking. God would have taken away the beauty of the men and women who are giving their lives for their friends as Jesus did if he always stepped in. And our lives would be meaningless if he always stepped in. God made a critical decision when we were still in the Garden of Eden. God decided we needed to become thinking creatures with wisdom and the ability to know good from evil rather than puppets and robots controlled by God. God's goodness meant that we had to be able to make real choices, plus we had to understand our choices mean something. And that meant that God had to allow us to experience the full consequences of our actions. Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, believing the serpent rather than God. And humans have suffered from that choice ever since. But you know, we have also made our own selfish choices over the centuries as we have ignored the wisdom of God and chosen our own wisdom to our great failure and to a great evil. Jesus finishes up his talk by telling the story of the man who owns a fig tree that bears no fruit. He says, cut it down. That's what he tells his worker. But the worker loves the trees and offers to fertilize it and cultivate around it. And so the owner gives it one more season. You know, in the original story, the fig tree was meant to represent Jerusalem. God was the owner and Jesus was the worker who loved the tree. Jesus was giving Jerusalem one more chance to bear fruit for God. And then if things didn't improve the city would be cut down, which is exactly what happened 40 years later when the city was destroyed by the Romans. We have all been spiritually fertilized recently by God through the discipline of COVID-caused isolation. Is this one last chance before we're cut down? Will we return to God? Will you who are listening return to God before it's too late? Will you begin to bear fruit for God? Thankfully, God understands this one thing we have trouble understanding, which is that this life is a training ground. It's a chance to separate those who can learn humility from those who can't see into the future. This is life. This life is where we either recognize that our real life is the eternal life with God, or we fight to demand our own way in this life. This is the deep meaning of life that is revealed by the evil humans do to each other in this life. That this life is but a short preparation and training for eternity. And this is why God sent Jesus to us.
to give us the chance to recognize that we do not have the wisdom of God. That God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are much wiser than we. And we've been given the chance to choose to stop following our own desires and ideas and instead to follow the greatest wisdom and goodness in the universe when we choose to follow Jesus and his teachings. Jesus is our last chance. We need to cling to his wisdom and power instead of our own. Will you follow your own wisdom? How's that doing for you? How much longer will you insist on your own way? Or will you follow the wisdom of God, Jesus Christ, the part of God who walked upon the earth and showed us what goodness truly is? So I ask you to come to the altar during this song. And of course, if you're listening, you can come join us here any Sunday at 1030. Allow us to lead you to Christ and eternal life. Will you bow down and ask forgiveness for the sins you've committed, that Jesus may forgive you for all eternity? And will you teach your children and grandchildren to also bow in prayer? Will you show them what it means to be a follower of Christ? Cedar Grove United Methodist Church and Pastor Brian Boley would like to thank you for listening to last week's pre-recorded sermon. Join us live this Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and on Facebook. We are located on Route 47, a mile and a half east off I-77 just across from WVU Parkersburg campus. Donations may be mailed to Cedar Grove UMC, 168 Old Turnpike Road, Parkersburg, West Virginia, 26104. Or you can text the word GIVE to 1304-244-1903 or visit our website, cedargroveunitedmethodist.org and click on the GIVE tab. This will bring up a form where you can determine how much you would like to give. Thank you and God bless you in your life.